December 16, 2020. It's the Watt from Pedro Show. <laughs>
for Pedro Show. Happy Wednesday. Started off this edition with Blue Train. That's John Coltrane live November 22, 1961. And then we had Dusty from Danielle Howe and the Tantrums, which yes, people, Brother Matt's at the Love Grotto on the Pleasure Point a couple miles south because we're still in quite quarantino mode. But I'm not totally man alone because of those Engineers Estonia with their incredible Skype invention, all the way from Columbia, South Carolina. I got John Furwood. Welcome aboard, hey. John. Hey, how's it going? Thank you for having me. We got to right away thank Dylan Dickerson for making the connect. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Dylan's a super cool guy, and uh, he's a connector for sure. He's making things happen here in Columbia. If we're bricks, he's the mortar. Or if we're, if, yeah. we're, if we're tiles, he's the grout. <laughs> no, because that, I tell you, John, that, in a way, that's the way I look at bass sometimes, you know, well, a lot of times. You know, we got all this fancy tile. Now we need some grout to set it, right? Most people sitting on the can, they look at the tile. They don't look at the grout, but they're glad it's there. I tell you. Now, what I want from you, well, first of all, it's a Watt for Pedro show. So there's no hard questions and there's no wrong answers. But can you give me your earliest musical recollection, please? Uh, I probably would say it would be uh, having my much older brothers sharing their music. They were uh, they were all born in the fifties, and um, they were big fans of like uh, Bob Dylan, Beatles, uh, Jim Croce, Birds. So that was kind of. Uh, where I got my early music exposure. But your earliest memory is hearing your brothers playing their, their music they liked. Right. Okay, D. Boom was into Jim Croce, and I was born in 57, so I'm kind of like your brothers. Yes. <laughs> okay, Sputnik. Uh, in the pad, where was this? Was this Columbia? So I grew up in a small town in Florence, in uh, South Carolina called Florence. Okay. And, um, yeah. Now this pad, I, did it have instruments? Um, my older brother played guitar and actually when they were all like in their teens, they had a little, a little group. Um, I've only seen, you know, it was before I was born. I've only seen like photos of them there. You know, I think my, my brother, uh, my brother Bob was playing a little drum kit and, uh, older two brothers had, um, like Sears Silvertone guitars, you know, and for all I know, it, maybe that was only only was over the course of maybe a summer or a few weeks. But uh, my brother Dan still plays guitar, so he was, uh, you know, during these kind of hangouts at the house, he would be, you know, coming to town and bring his acoustic guitar, and he could play by ear, he could play piano by ear, and pick up songs, and 
so he was kind of the first musical inspiration for me, I guess. So the guitar was only there when he came around. So there, it was mainly listeners there when he wasn't around. That's correct. Okay. What about school? Were you in the marching band or the choir, shit like that? Yeah, I did. Uh, I did one year of marching band playing trombone, and then um, bone. I was, you were on the bass cliff. Yeah, and then when uh, I guess when I was about fourteen, you know, this town is uh, in South Carolina. We were the last to have anything cool happen. <laughs> Everybody um, says, but, that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, when I was about fourteen, uh, you know, I started my musical tastes were whatever was. I, whatever I liked off of MTV, you know, I, I liked like the, the new wave, like the modern English Echo and the Bunnymen, that kind of uh, British uh, kind of stuff. But uh, as soon as I started hearing punk rock um, and then realizing that there were some, you know, older kids in town that, you know, had their own punk rock band, I knew that's what I had to do. Well, let me, um, let me so, ask you, John, let me ask you, what was the first record you bought with your own money? Oh gosh, um, I believe it was uh, ABBA Greatest Hits. Kind of punk. Uh, <laughs> what about the first gig you went and saw? Um, probably the the local punk band. Okay. You know they put. You know I was maybe I was fifteen at that time, and they were playing uh, the Teen Center, and you know that's first time being in a room with uh, a whole band playing, and of course they were loud. <laughs> and I was hooked immediately, and I knew right. And then also, they, they I think they may even had their own seven inch record already, wow. or at least cassette tapes, you know. Now, by this like, time, have you had did you already get on the guitar? It just started, yeah. I was inspired by, by, by uh, uh, the fact that I realized that, you know, someone my age could make music or um, that you could do it yourself, you know. And um, so I, I, you know, had given up on any kind of like, uh, you know, the band, marching band or anything like that. And uh, I, I knew I needed to get an electric guitar and a, and, and, and a four track recorder and learn pro- to well, probably play, an play, amplifier too. Probably, probably yeah, an amplifier. Got, yeah. <laughs> and so um, other than skateboarding, that was what I did in, in high school and learned to play uh, got eventually got an amplifier, got a got a couple of microphones, got a. I'm, cu- I'm curious, how did four, you learn? Four track. I'm curious, John. How'd you learn? Did you take any lessons, or was it all man alone? Mostly on, mostly alone. Mostly played along to you know. To records. Uh, yeah, yeah. To records, or to more more likely, to dubbed uh, copies of punk bands on cassettes that were ah, you know, yeah, and passed uh, around. People got to understand, in those old days, real important to all of us was the mix cassette tape. Oh, yeah. Because your buddies would turn you on to new bands and shit, right? Right. And it would be, you know, oh, you're going to like this. Let me make you a copy of this Angry Samoans record. (laughs) And I never never even saw the album cover or anything. And who knows how many many times it had been duplicated by the time it made it to Florence, South Carolina. Sure, sure. But those things were so important. You know, it's hard to tell people about that. So uh, did you did you make a band? Yeah, I was in, um, you know, some high school bands and. Gradually learned to play better, and, and my guitar playing kind of, uh, you know, I, I, I tried to take some of the, you know, the love of the, like the Beatles, and really, uh, you know, we, we were all just 
copycat bands, but I was learning to play. I was learning to, you know, write piece songs on my own. I was learning to record. Um, I, you know, like I said, I got shown how to use a four track. I got one of my own, one of my own. And, um, eventually we made it into a little recording studio, uh, in a barn, um, in Darlington, South Carolina, uh, really, really hip guy ran this, uh, it, at one point it was like a little coffee shop and he had like folk, um, song singer songwriter nights but he had an eight track reel-to-reel recording studio and as soon as i saw that and saw the mixing board and the knobs and you know over you know, <laughs> able to do an overdub and and have a reverb return and all this stuff i was like that is what i want to do yeah that's and, I'm, and i'm still that's still what it is to me today is oh yeah we'll, uh, we'll get play we'll get, write and record we're gonna get to that what about the yeah. first gig um, it was probably like a, a, a vet, a vet, whatever you call it, M, M, M vets, uh, hall punk show, you know, probably $2 cover. Um, probably nobody in there was over other than, uh, um, uh, my friend Alan, who was kind of our local guru, uh, in town. He had the PA and he would load it out, loan out equipment for bands and, you know, help them out. And he's the one that kind of showed me four track recorder and, um, but mostly young, you know, just young kids. Um, occasionally, there would be uh, some touring punk bands would come through. Believe even 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 in a little rural uh, South Carolina. Oh, of course. But I'm yeah. curious about that first gig. Was it a success? I'm not even sure I can remember. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it might have not been too intense. Yeah, <laughs> I mean. Well, at least they didn't hate it. You didn't get shit thrown at you. No, um, like I said, this was we were we were basically copying. You know, the, our, our scene. Although it was creative and it was fun and it was you know I was learning to do things. You know, I realized that you know we just weren't very good. <laughs> well, everybody's got to start somewhere, right? <laughs> uh, what, what was the first song that you wrote? Um. I don't recall that either. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I know that um, I, uh, when I was, play, after I'd been playing a, a few months and, and had my uh, cassette recorder, I did try to make my own solo songs. And I tried, and it was really very ambitious. I was like, I'm only going to use this one microphone, which was kind of like a, a low end Shure with like a guitar uh, quarter inch plug. On the, on the end, you know, high impedance. I'm just going to use this one mic. I'm going to play that old piano that's in the house. I'm going to play my, uh, I did have an acoustic guitar that was uh, an old beater that was like my sister's uh, student guitar. And I had my Harmony electric guitar. And I was going to, to write and record. And I wanted to, to have it be almost seamless, almost like white album or whatever, so that one song might be only you know a minute and a half, and then bleed into the next. And there were some instrumentals, and uh, I, I never finished it, but I don't know. It was kind of a I, it was a kind of a concept piece. Yes, right, 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 right. Well, I want to play uh, "Soft White China Patterns."
tu amor in the an hour before dusk and the sounds of the town start to slow down can you measure Quiet and I wave to see more of them greedily all the damage little bits of empathy open up not too much but just enough for me soft white china patterns on his
of the angel of death and that's the way it's been all of my born in a day the hands that held me raised me praise and rest like a black dog running the night full of fear and fight I said my needle is pinned up against the long red line well I'm too afraid to stay here Maybe I'm just going down This is the last time So now is when But wherever my soul gets thrown I come up crazy and red Stand under the sun Can see myself Stretch out on the ground I'll place my hands Into the living sky And remain unchained And remain unchained I'll remain untamed and I'll remain unchained but restless.
specialize in neckties and you're not acting Dress for a king, a spoiled child to be exact You don't conceal your ex For clearing out a
It won't always be like this. Somewhere, boys will put down their postcodes and weep into tracksuits. Step over double yellow lines and loiter with one another. On the south side of the city, a mother will embrace her daughter for the first time. Try on her new name, find that it fits her lips. Caroline, she will say. Caroline, Caroline, you look beautiful. It won't always be like this. Somewhere, a 70-year-old birdwatcher will buy a motorbike and find that he too can fly. A black woman will show a mixed-rate girl how to tie a head wrap and something in her heart will leap. Somewhere, someone will utter the words, I love you, I miss you, I'm sorry. An atheist will speak Allah and smile at the taste of honey on his tongue. The dead will climb out of their graves and shake those standing in line at the bank. Somewhere, you will look down at the stars shooting across the dual carriageway and decide to climb off the iron railings. In the shadow of the service station, you will wait for your dawn.
Off from Pedro's show, that was Soft White China Patterns from Danielle Howe in the Tantrums. Then brand new from Barry Burko Band, Future Self. A numbers band out of Akron. 50, they're, they're, uh, they were actually called 156075, but people, people, I guess, couldn't remember that, so they just called them numbers band. Crazed and Restless. They finally made an album. That's really happening. Uh, Harvey Gold told me, uh, turned me on to it. Guy by Voices, Bob Pollard with a new record. <laughs> Amazing, right? <laughs> Every three, four months, this guy. Incredible. Uh, Megaphone Riley. Then Bomas Prendon. Bomas Prendon. Get that right, what? Monster Zero. Kim Cooper Complex. Kind of a tangent from those cats. Flip Kilter. Sunrise Over Aldi. Audi's a chain of stores. I, th- I think there's a north one and a south one in Germany. But they're in other countries now, too. Sophie Sparum and Christopher Gregory. They're Derby people. It looks like Derby. Quiet Pig out of Italy with This Is The Moment. Parentheses blue. And finally, Grand Republic. Water slide. So, um... Let's continue on with your journey here, John. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, you gave up on the concept record. Yeah. So, but you probably want to get in another band, maybe, huh? You get you getting some more bands. So, um, yeah, I, went, I moved. To, I got out of high school and went to uh, a technical college in Charleston, South Carolina, and had my first proper guitar, which was a Fender Telecaster that I. Uh, purchased from the music store I was working at uh, as kind of my my graduation gift to myself. Uh, worked there over the summer, bought bought this Telecaster, and went went away. And within a couple of weeks, got asked to uh, try going to jam with these guys that were uh, getting a new group together, and they had a you know a particular idea, a very particular idea of what they wanted to do, and. Uh, they were all former kind of heavy metal guys, and I knew them. They're a couple of years older than me, and I knew them as being, you know, in a local metal band. But apparently, one guy, his name is Brian McCarter, was uh, working on writing a very different. You know, he's like, he's got a he's got a concept, and he thought that you know the way I played guitar because I was more more influenced by um, not just not just punk, but like uh, you know. Uh, Peter Buck and the kind of jangle rock and that kind of stuff. Um, he wanted to see what it sounds like. So I uh, went and checked out this, this, uh, this group of guys and he had spent his summer four tracking and demoing and writing this music that was very unique, I thought. And um, I mean, there, there really wasn't anybody playing this kind of music. And so I was in um, and that, that became my first actual like serious band. And what um, were they called, John? I didn't give you any of this music, but that group was called Blido Body. Blido Body. And, and we we played. Can, can I ask you? Uh, can I ask yeah. you if this was during either the Music Farm or Cumberland days? We played both. Okay. Okay. Yes. Just to we, show, yeah. I got some Charleston credibility. <laughs> right. Right. So we so we we started off in Charleston, uh, rehearsing, and um, there was a. 
like a, a warehouse that had multiple you know bands would rent and um so i was you know we were rehearsing with other groups you know it was, it was that kind of communal you know band situation um and so our for our first year we were we were kind of based out of charleston so we played you know club a dog alley Cumberland's, oh, yeah. <laughs> M- miskins the first miskins um yeah and then uh, and, and and also uh, half of the band lived in Columbia, so we were back and forth a lot. Um, and in Columbia, we were playing uh, Rockefellers. Of course, Art Bar. And um, we, we went on to be um, pretty popular. I mean, we started in '89, and that group. I, I basically uh, I ended up quitting school and moving to Columbia for the band. And we had the situation where we all lived in the same apartment. We were in this very weird uh, four-bedroom apartment that used to be apparently a dentist office. So there was like a front – the front den was like a – almost like a waiting room, and then it was just bizarre. There was like a, a little room with a sink in it, you know, and strange stuff. But we all lived there, and uh, th- this particular uh, apartment complex, uh, we had – we were in, I think, unit – or something and next to us uh were the, some friends who had a punk rock band called 49 reasons and then in the apartment next to them were a local band that were at, had gone on from being a cover band to writing their own songs and that was hooting the blowfish so it was darius and dean sing, singer bass player and their and their road manager I mean, so there was three Ford Econolines in the in the parking lot all the time. <laughs> so, I'm I'm curious. I mean, you spent several years with these guys, right? Yes. Um, but and what, 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 we what, we, gig, we gig hard, and, and I'm looking back now at some of this stuff, and I can't believe that how quickly. Like, um, I think next year will be the 30th anniversary of the first time we played the 40 watt. Wow, Athens. No, but yeah. what, what, what I'm curious about, John, it seems like it was a pretty formative experience. Very much so. But you give me no music from that. <laughs> well, I had to pick. I know. Okay, okay, that's okay. I had to choose. That's okay. Um, but yeah, so uh, the Blighted Body Band, we, we, we played up and down. We played mostly North, South, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia. Um, a, lot of, a lot of Athens gigs, a lot of Atlanta gigs. Um, we did Florida, Alabama. Virginia, New York City. Um, oh, all the way. Okay. All the way. Um, so what about in between? Claim- what about some Baltimore, some Philadelphia? No, um, didn't, didn't, you know, like I said, the majority of it was around the Southeast. And No, but I um, mean, if you could go all the way to New York, because believe it or not, here in SoCal, New York City was the big, you know, go there and turn around. But there's all the gigs in between. <laughs> right. Believe it or not, we did a tour with Hooting the Blowfish up the coast. Uh, two bands that had no business being on the same bill together, but they were just cool guys to us. They were friendly, and like literally, our 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 Ford line van died, and they just got a record deal, and so they basically let us borrow until we could pay them whatever we paid them five hundred dollars or whatever for for their old Ford line. So we inherited their van, but they took us up the coast one time. Um, yeah. It was strange. Our music was nothing at all like. I mean, we had no business being. Well, that's okay together, though. That's probably why it's just a guess, John. But that's probably why there's more than one band. 
Right. So people can have some choice. <laughs> Variety. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> um, Blighted Body's claim to fame was in 94, we played on the Conan O'Brien show. And that was uh, like a contest. It was a college band contest deal. And Conan had, it was still in his first year on television with that program. And the joke was it was his ninth annual college band search. And uh, <laughs> we had to submit a music video. And all of our friends were like in uh, media arts at USC. So the I, other people, that's the other USC. This is the Gamecocks, not the Trojans. Not correct. the Trojans. Right. John, I'm going to have to um, interrupt you because we're at the end they, of the first hour of the December 16, 2020 edition of Watt Pedro Show. Special guest, John Fuhr. Fur, sorry. Hold tight for hour two. December 16, 2020. It's the second hour of the Watt from Pedro Show.
Oh, and bless my soul, what's wrong with me? I'm itching like a man on a fuzzy tree. My friends say I'm acting wild as a bug. I'm in love. I'm all shook up. Ripe, we'll go down and 
step across the border to Mexico And I think of all of the other reasons to hold you in my arms To listen to your heart beat out my thoughts And carry me home to you To take me back again To open up and
Thank you. Merci. Oh, 
Show. Start off the second hour with Grant Republic. Big love. And uh, Sam Bennett after that with All Shook Up. Elliot Elderman once in a while. Hi Maya. Neurons Fire. Cookie Butter. That, 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 this is a tune from Kim Gordon. Uh, she's got a band. And this was done in March in Paris. And then the last, a record that never you know, was done like 30, 40 years ago, but never came out. That's just life. And finally, Shackleton, Grand Republic. So, Blido Body, how's that end up for you? Well, first tell me how did the show go with Conan? Um, it was it was pretty good. I, you know, uh, he was very friendly and the, the whole staff and were, you know, very cordial to us and made us feel comfortable. Um, it, that was, you know, probably one of the top uh, musical, musical experiences of my life, of course. And um, I think I think we played pretty well. We had we had a few plants in the audience. We had some friends, you know, traveled up and were were attending the uh, show. And um, randomly, we had some other friends who just happened to be in New York and happened to get tickets to Conan and were in the audience. So it was very very fun, very uh, warm uh, uh, day. Um, now, what what but, ha- what happens with these guys? Well, so that was kind of the pinnacle of the career, but all, but it, we never really it just kind of fizzled out after that. Um, we had released a few things on our own, and we're you know 
trying to get this recording contract and we had a and r people from this or that label and no, nothing ever got going and we changed managers and eventually it got to the point between 94 and 95 that um this i don't know it seemed, seemed like we just kind of got a little bit burnt out on it the songwriting slowed down we weren't coming up with new material i didn't i was starting to feel like we weren't playing as well as we needed to play and um just seemed like people's interest in it started waning plus the the climate of the music changed and and we started developing a harder kind of grunge sound that it was probably a bad idea and you mean um, like a candle box mm, <laughs> that's a joke John. yeah I've joke. <laughs> but anyway this uh, this band plays itself out right you end up leaving yep yep i end up I ended up saying I'm not happy, and they were like, well, okay, I guess we'll break up. Band breaks up, and then pretty much immediately I form another group with my good buddy Troy Tague, who is involved in in, in the in almost all of the music I've sent you. Uh, he's a drummer. He and I first started jamming a little bit in 91, um, where we were working on a demo with our friend Daniel Howell. And Danielle was in a group called Lay Quiet a While, and um, they had a little record deal with Amy Ray's label, um, Damon Records, out of Atlanta. And Lay Quiet a While broke up, and then Blighted Body broke up. And so out of the ashes of those bands, the bass player from Blighto and me and Danielle from Lay Quiet a While and Troy, who was the former Lay Quiet a While drummer, formed a new group, and we called it. Well, we didn't have a name at first. We were just Danielle Howell. Um, and she had little re record deals. Um, by the way, she said she played a gig with you or a couple of gigs with you. Um, but that, that might she, happen because if you call a tour more than a month, I've done 67 of them. Right. Um, <laughs> but I got to tell you, I can't remember. That's all right. So she's she's a no uh, no disrespect no no disrespect. Yes, a very eclectic folk singer, and also had a propensity for writing um, music that you know was not just folk rocky. And I kind of felt like that we might could do some kind of quasi Americana thing. Um, and so we got together. The first record was. We played, a, we contributed parts to it that was uh, released on Simple Machines Records out of DC, um, and then after that we went, you know, full time. So it was Daniel Howe and the Tantrums, and we recorded a couple of albums for Amy's um, Damon Records label. Um, and again, it was another amazing experience because um, much more touring, tour uh, national touring. Um, you got over to this side? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, that was great. Um, we, but, yeah, we did Seattle to San Diego. That that That's the I-5 tour. That's kind of a hike. <laughs> yes. Um, we had the, the privilege of working with uh, David Leonard, who produced the, the first Daniel Helmet Tantrum CD. And, you know, we were blown away because he, he, he had worked on many, many, many major records. Um, Toto, Africa, you know, Prince, Purple Rain, all this incredible stuff. And we got him to 
this little recording studio in Columbia, South Carolina called the Jam Room Recording Studio. Um, and we booked it for three weeks and recorded this record. And so that was probably my second uh, most major musical accomplishment was being able to see this guy work. That's great. I want to play Slow Arrow.
Watch for Pedro show. Started that chunk off with Slow Arrow doing Fallen Star. Then the hysterical injury with Halo Alcanes. Uh, Ichio with Nefertata. Sane Alliance from Jerome Parker Wells out of St. Louis. Amber out of the D.C. area. You were speaking. Microdosing for Jesus. And finally, Slow Arrow with Mystery World. So, Slow Arrow, well, what happened to the tantrums in Danielle? Um, we played uh, lots and lots of gigs. We put out a couple of records. Danielle also had uh, a simultaneous solo career, which she would break away and, and do, you know, touring with. Um, and then it's a, it's a, you know, it's very weird. We played a, a gig in Atlanta at, I think it was called the Dogwood Music Festival or something, a little daytime outdoor arts and crafts tents, you know. Uh, we played a show and then we packed up and went home and then we just never got back together again. It was very odd. Um, like no, and then, no speaking. No, no, just speaking, but... Uh, yeah, by no, time, no, you know, speaking we, we, about the band. <laughs> it was just like we just never had another rehearsal or played another show. Although um, I did, and Troy and I did some shows later with Danielle with the, like some different players. But she just kind of, I think it was time for her to move on. And it was probably the, the right thing to do um, and maybe should have happened earlier because, um, again, I, I was starting to feel like maybe we needed to improve our sound and maybe add another member to the band on multi, you know, a keyboard player or some kind of multi-instrumentalist. And, um, but Danielle ended up uh, moving to Charleston and where she still is now. And she's still playing music full time. Great. In, um, and slow arrow. Uh, that's a new project. That's a new oh, kind of oh, this is recording way, project. Okay. Okay. Cause what happens is you, you kind of leave music for a little bit, right? That's right. Um, you know, we were, I had been doing it since, like I said, 89, sure. 90. And by this time, it was probably 2004. And we'd never, you know, never got a big major record deal. We just kind of, I don't know, getting older. Um, less younger, I, less younger. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so... Um, I just kind of did a, did a few a little bit of uh, playing around with some other guys around town, but no more touring. And then I got a, got serious about you know okay what am I going to do now? So I got uh, to work on my career, which is in uh, computers and IT. So I kind of got out of the music business. Um, Troy Troy on the other hand, he uh, ended up going on the road with um, to get the order right. Um, Iron and Wine. Sam. Yes. So uh, Sam was buddies with this guy who's another one of my good buddies, Jonathan Bradley, who was a drummer. And um, Jonathan, was, Jonathan was in Columbia bands and ended up going on the road with Sam, who was a friend of his from, you know, growing up. And then, then, then they added a percussion player, so Troy got that gig. So they're all off touring the world. And so, you know, two of my best buddies are in that group. And meanwhile, I just worked on my IT career. Which meant going to school, right? Self-taught. Oh, self-taught. That's bitching. That's what Kay did. Look, we're at the end of the second hour. December 16, 2020, Dishwap Pedro Show. 
special guest, John Furr. Full time for hour three. December 16, 2020, it's the third hour of the Watt from Pedro. I was standing barefaced with my heart all in my hand. I was waiting on my woman, she was waiting on her man. Then I came to realize that I didn't know him. My life, it was in shambles, she was living in sin. Don't take me to the movies, take me to the show When my life gets hated, just play me rock and roll Play me rock and roll, play me rock and roll When my life gets hated, just play me rock and roll
For Pedro's show, start off the third hour with Easy Shakes doing rock and roll. Then another umbrella with featuring the late great Richard Derrick. That was fun. The Portugal Japan with a cover of MC5's Kick Out the Jams. Grand Champion. That's Peen, right? Two E's, people. <laughs> the Angels Share. I think it has something to do with making whiskey. I can't remember exactly. Some some of it, yeah, leaves, evaporates. So, uh, sporadic, spontaneous after that were revenge. And finally, TV screen by Easy Shakes. This reminds me of an old Cheech and Chong bit, right? Hey, man, what are you watching? An Indian movie, but it's really boring. You know, it's a fucking test pattern, right? He's all stoned. Yeah, nothing like the early 70s. Okay, so so you, you, you teach yourself the pewter stuff and you launch your... IT career, but then you get some other bands going, uh, maybe four or five years ago, right? Yes, exactly. Yes. So, um, 
after after having my uh, IT business, being self-employed, and that that took up all of my energy and time. But uh, I ended up taking a different job, uh, getting getting uh, going to work for one of my my biggest customer. They hired me on, so I closed up my business, and then I had more free time, and I I was uh, you know I'd been following you know. My my buddy Troy on and his Iron and Wine, and then later he played with uh, uh did a few tours with Brandy Carlisle as a touring drummer. But his his uh, m- music slowed down as well, and we were both just working. He's a graphic designer, and I started to get the itch to play again. So around I think 2012, um, got back got back together playing, and what what we ended up doing is he and I decided to form another group together. Um, this time with he and I being the principal songwriters, uh, instead of being the kind of backup guys that we always were. So that group ended up being grand Republic, um, which we played our first gig. I think it was January, 2016. Um, but those are probably 90% is, uh, my songwriting uh, and then Troy contributes some and um, does takes lead vocals on some, but um, it's just a it's a it's the culmination of our 25 plus years friendship, and uh, we decided to make another another little music project out of it. It's Slow um, Arrow. That uh, it's sort of a spinoff of this band, which is based on uh, the interest I had in, in learning to produce electronic music. Um, and a friend of mine who goes by the name Rixie Taylor in Atlanta was also working on um, writing electronic music, and she's a vocalist. And we ended up saying, well, let's just collaborate. So that's kind of a, a long-distance recording project where I write the, basically the music, Dropbox files to her. She writes lyrics and vocals, records them at her place, sends them back, I mix and that group has actually never performed live, and I don't even know if we ever will. No, but you 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 uh, trade files in uh, collab. Yes, yes, and, and we we put out three EP, well, actually two EPs, and uh, a new one that's coming out. You know, probably you, February. I gotta say, John, when people hear the music come out of the speakers, they don't know how it got that way. <laughs> so right. I think anything goes. If you got to trade files, if you got to be in the same. Crib, whatever, you know. Uh, at the end of the day, people are hearing s- rhythms and sounds and words and emotion. So I think however you have to do it, like, you know, look at the current sitch. And wh- what about Easy Shakes? Um, so I guess my musical taste is a little all over the place where it varies from electronic. John, that's to, okay, man. To... Music is music. <laughs> but um... I was going to say something to you when you giving up those uh, labels like Americana and stuff. Aren't those things kind of confining? Well, and that's kind of what happened with, for example, in Daniel Helmer Tantrums. We never could focus on a sound. And I think that might have been, it was fun for us, but it might have been confusing for listeners. And, you know, maybe we did uh, not confine ourselves enough, you know. Uh, we just kind of played for us and what we liked. Um and that's that's kind of how a little bit, to a certain extent a lot of my musical you know projects have been they're all over the place so um so e- Easy Shakes is the first quasi country band I've ever been in um 
And that is the songwriting of Zach Seibert. He put together a little a little songwriting club and invited me out of the blue. I didn't even know this guy. But he invited some people um, from around town. Some of them are, are very active, like, singer-songwriters. And others were like me. And I'd never sat up and played an acoustic guitar and sang a song in front of a crowd. But he invited me just to, you know, and it was a deal where every month you had to bring a song and everybody would write a random word on a piece of paper, fold it up, put it in the hat, and then they draw the word and that would be the, the, the subject of the song you had to bring the next time. And that went around for about four months and I just remember being very impressed with his singing and his songwriting. And out of those uh, songs, he ended up putting together a group that he called Easy Shakes, which at first was just him and a pedal steel player. And they had a very gripping sound, I thought, a very haunting, just, there was nobody in town that sounded like that. And I was like, I'm going to have to be in another band now. So I hit them up. I'm (laughs) like, hey, I I like what I'm hearing, and I can hear what my guitar playing on top of it may add another dimension and let's try it out. So we did that. It was it was just great fun. Sounded good. So we, I, I, I had an idea in mind, a drummer. You know, my, my, my friend Troy's too busy to pick up another music project. So uh, we listed another um, another uh, good friend of ours, and that group went from discussion in September to first rehearsals in November, to first gig on New Year's Eve uh, at a little place called the Art Bar in Columbia. To, um, I know the Art Bar. To full, capacity, you know, full, um, full crowd. Um, it, that was one of those gigs where the hair on your arms is standing up because you know it's a, a moment. And the place was packed, but dead quiet and um, listening. It was like a very surreal experience for me in the art bar um well much respect for the gig goers yes yes and uh and then we we recorded at the fidelitorium in um kernersville i think it is north carolina with mitch easter and the four of us went up there on and for a four-day session tracked all the songs in two days mixed for two days and came on with a full length um worked with uh, engineer, we actually didn't work with Mitch. We worked with a, an engineer um, named Missy Thangs, and she was just awesome. She gave 100%.
Sometimes it's a try And if you want we can get up And you can't ask why I won't have all the answers I swear I know the truth I got hit by train On Groove Street And it wrecked my soul
Last music for this edition, we had Easy Shakes with Grove Street, recorded by John Fuhrer. Fur, what? Fuck. <laughs> then we had number two. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Mike, wait, you know. Fucking. One syllable, what? Okay. Two. This song is just called The Number Two from Talaman uh, Tetsu Nakatani. Quite a piece. Golden Earrings, not the band, and not green ones <laughs> from the Dan, the Ghost of the Tooth Tiger. And finally, Space Woman from Slow Arrow. This this is a recent too, right? That's actually... Yeah, uh, because you put 2021. <laughs> so. that's, that's the debut of that song. That's brand okay. new. Okay. Um, that'll be on a next EP, which is probably coming out in February. Um, and I just wanted to play that because I think it's one of our, our better... Uh, songs and that one actually has more collaborators on it. That song has Troy on drums, um, our friend Renee on piano, and uh, bass guitar and get and backup vocals. Uh, Britta Phillips Great. from the band Superwoman, Space Woman. That's super yeah. Woman. We yeah. think that's the title. Well, 2021. I saw the date on it. Was like this guy. He's planning for the future. <laughs> Yes, always. John, where can people find you on the internet? Probably the best place is on the band camp. Okay. So is it just John Fur? And that's two R's, people. Uh, actually, I don't have any personal. Uh, if, if you could find grandrepublic.bandcamp.com or slowarrow.bandcamp.com right. or Easy Shakes. I just want to show you people, you could take a break and then you can come back to music and come back stronger. Look at John Fur. Okay, people, December 16, 2020 edition of Wild Pedro Show. Keep your powder dry.